Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher, podcast 13. And today we're looking at the wisdom of Jesus and this particular teaching of Jesus is all about denying yourself. Yeah, denying yourself. Bring it on. Can't wait. What a subject. Deny what, you might ask. Well, uh, let Celtic preacher put your mind at ease. This has nothing to do with chocolate or booze or whatever you eat. It's a lot, lot bigger than that. But our text is uh, Mark 8. And in this passage, Jesus teaches his students what it means to be a follower. Really answers that question. What does it mean to be a follower? Actually, we don't even talk that way nowadays. You know, we might say, what does it mean to be a Christian? But that has so much negative baggage attached to it. I don't even know um, how we would answer that, you know, if someone said, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, that depends, you know. It, I don't know how you'd answer that question. It depends if you've been raised in the church or not in the church. I mean, if you've been raised in the church, if you were raised in a church that had creeds, you might start to say, well, a Christian is... Uh, you know, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus' as Son who died for me. I believe that God forgives my sins. I believe it's important to pray and go to church and, oh yeah, everlasting life, that's important. Uh, resurrection, you know, there's so many different things, really. But what is fascinating is, is that when Jesus speaks or teaches about what it means to follow, because he wouldn't use the word Christian. There was no such thing as a Christian uh, when Jesus walked on the earth. When, When Jesus speaks or teaches about what it means to follow, he zeroes in on one thing, and it has nothing at all to do with what you believe in or what you don't believe in in terms of theology. Isn't that fascinating? He zeroes in on one thing, and it's in this passage. It's in Mark 8. And here's the, here's the passage. Here's the, the line I want to draw your attention to. It's verse 34. He said, Jesus, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny themselves. Now, the cross, of course... Way back 2,000 years ago, the cross is an instrument of death in Jesus' day. So when he speaks about the cross, it's a way of talking about dying. So he's saying, if you want to follow me, you have to learn how to die while you're still living. Which, of course, is a very strange thing to say. But that's what he's saying. Verse 34. If you want to follow me, you have to learn how to die while you're still living. You're going to have to learn how to pick up your cross. Of course, by now, you know, I'm thinking, well, what are we supposed to die to? What does that mean? And then he goes on to say in verse 35 that if you do this, if you learn how to do this, you will save your life. In other words, the benefits to you personally and those around you and your family and your friends and the planet 
I mean, incomprehensible, beyond measure. This is a life changer, he's saying. This is a life changer. You learn how to do this, and you will save your life. You know, for Jesus, you can be living on the earth and breathing, but not really have abundant life. So he's talking about a particular quality of life. He's saying, you'll experience life in a way that you've never experienced it before if you learn how to deny yourself. So in order to get our heads around this teaching, we're going to look at an example of what it means to deny yourself. And I've always found that the easiest way to simplify these uh, teachings is to look at an example, a personal example. Because this is exactly what the disciple Peter does in the passage. It's always important, by the way, to look at a passage of Scripture in its context. You know, like the hunt and peck method is not good because you don't know where it's coming from. You're pulling out lines from the Bible without any context. You don't know the story. You don't know the beginning. You don't know the end. It's not really a helpful way to, to understand the Scripture. You have to know the whole story. You can't just take pieces of the story. So in Mark 7, um, it tells about Peter. Now, you might know this, that Peter was one of Jesus' right-hand men. He was actually the leader of the disciples, the group. And Peter, his strength isn't that he always gets it right. He doesn't get it. He doesn't always get it right. His strength is, is that he can say he's wrong and he can change direction. And in this passage, Peter gets way, way off track. And Jesus firmly puts him back in his place. So here's the context. Jesus has been with his disciples now about three years. You know, he only had a three-year ministry. Everything was accomplished in the three years. So it's near the end of his time with the disciples. And he asks them, Jesus, who do, what are people saying about me? What are people saying? And people 2,000 years ago, like people today, have all sorts of opinions about who Jesus is. So he said, well, what are people saying? And the disciples answered. They said, well, some say that you're like your cousin John the Baptist. You know, like you're a prophet. And then others say that you're like Elijah. You know, that amazing... Old Testament miracle worker. And then Jesus gets very personal with them all and he says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers the question and he says, well, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Uh, okay, great answer. And Jesus says to him, uh, okay, uh, <laughs> You didn't learn that from any books, Peter. This is, that's God, that's revelation. God revealed this to you. My heavenly father, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My heavenly father revealed this to you. You're right. Now, the whole idea of the Christ was, for centuries, the ancient people had been praying that God would send them 
a saviour. I mean, they're, they're an oppressed people. Ancient Rome had taken over the land. The Caesar was... Actually, Caesar, by the way, liked to call himself son of God. He liked to be called saviour. Just call me saviour of the world for sure. Uh, the people of ancient Israel, they're an oppressed people. They, they've got Roman soldiers on every corner. Um, it's a miserable, miserable existence. And they've been praying and praying and praying for God to do something. You know, save us. Would you send us someone that can help us? So when Peter says, I think you're the Christ. He's saying, I think you're the one that we've been praying for for centuries. That's who I think you are. I think that you truly are the real son of God, not Caesar. And I think that you are going to be the one that's going to free us and save us. Okay, good answer. And Jesus goes on to tell them that he's headed toward a time of suffering. In fact, not only is he headed toward a time of suffering, but he's going to be rejected by the religious leaders. He's going to be killed, and he's going to be raised up in three days. Now, nobody hears the part about, I will be raised up in three days. Because as soon as Peter hears him speak about suffering and dying, he absolutely falls apart. Peter takes Jesus to the side, and he corrects him, and he says, this can never, ever happen. God forbid that anything would happen to you. And Jesus firmly puts him in his place by saying, get behind me, Satan. And the word Satan, by the way, simply means one who opposes. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. In other words, Peter, you are so... You don't understand me at all. You're completely wrong. You've misjudged me. You're off track. Get behind me. I don't need you leading me. You're leading me the wrong way. You follow. Get behind me. Get back to following. Now, it's really not surprising Peter doesn't understand Jesus. I'm not surprised Peter finds Jesus' ways confusing, even frightening at times. But what intrigues me is that he can be corrected in front of his peers. He can change his mind. He can change his understanding. He can change his thinking. He can change his opinion, his long-held beliefs. And he can fall into line with the way Jesus wants to do things. So in this passage, we have an example of a man who could at times be so right, so discerning, in tune, wise, but then at other times, completely wrong. But what sets Peter apart is his ability to learn from his mistakes. Now, so many times we watch people carry on making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Have you seen this? You watch people, the same misjudgments, the same unhelpful ways of relating or communicating. This, what is it? An inability to learn from the past? 
and the dysfunctional cycle just continues year after year. Why is that? Well, whether we're seeing this in ourselves or in someone we know or in a system that we work within, you know, chances are we haven't learned what freedom and healing can come from admitting that we're wrong. We don't see it clearly. And change direction. You know, a big part of denying yourself, a big part of picking up your cross is simply the ability to admit we don't always get it right and we're willing to change direction, which means do things differently. Approach problems in another way altogether. Respond to challenges in an entirely different way, a new way. Perhaps something that we're not used to. You know, for Peter, when he corrected Jesus, I think he's led by fear. I think that he doesn't want any harm to come to Jesus. And so he makes it clear to Jesus that this death can never, ever happen. He wants to protect Jesus from suffering, right? He loves him. It's not unreasonable. But he's headed in the wrong direction. And he's going to have to learn how to drop the fear to get back on track. And you see, sometimes we make choices and we take a path or we follow a dream or we make a decision that seems reasonable, right? It seems right to us. Or we might advise people or guide others in a way that seems right to us. But you know this, if we're led by fear... That is never a good motive. I mean, I think most of us, I'm sure, can relate to Peter. Peter will have to learn how to deny fear, the lead place in his life. Will he have fear? Of course he'll have fear. He's human. We're all going to have fear. But is he going to let fear lead, right? He's not called to follow fear. He's called to follow Christ. Same for us. It's exactly the same thing. And fear can be so subtle. You know, so subtle. I'm fearful I'll lose you so I'll never really let you know what I think. Or I'm fearful you won't need me so I'm always going to keep you dependent. Yeah? Or I'm fearful you won't like me so I'll never correct you. See that with parents all the time, right? Or I'm fearful I won't be of any use anymore, so I can't stop doing, because then why would you need me if I couldn't do anything, right? There's a million ways fear can lead. And Jesus says, well, <laughs> that can be denied the right to lead in first place. You know, what motivates us? And is it leading us in the right direction? Denying ourselves. It, it's, it's recognizing when I'm being led by the wrong thing. And letting it go, dropping it. You know, for Peter it was fear. That might not be your issue, right? Other times for Peter, he had to learn how to let go of guilt. That's another big one. He had to learn how to drop regret. Guilt, powerful motivator. I'll do this for you because if I don't, I'll feel guilty. 
Oh, do you want to do it? No. Oh, okay. Is it, is it your task to do it? No. Well, is it your responsibility to do it? No. But if I don't, I'll feel guilty. <laughs> that's like for Jesus, that would be, he'd be saying, that's giving guilt way too much power. Way too much power. You can't follow Jesus and follow guilt. It's like, who will it be? Which one? Jesus would say, guilt, regret. Guilt is not worthy of the lead place in your life. Now, others, you know, we're all so different. Some of us might need to deny anger. Okay, that's going to be dropped. That's going to be nailed to the cross. That's going to be, I'm going to die to that. Some of us might need to deny anger. Maybe we've been responding and making decisions based on anger, based on resentment. And Jesus is saying, well, you've got to get back and fall in line because anger doesn't get to lead. And you get to choose who leads. You're the one that gets to choose who leads. And some of us might need to deny envy or melancholy or control. I mean, we all have to die to control, but some have uh, more trouble with that than others. We all have these troubles, of course. These are common to humanity. Uh, Some of us might need to deny to withdrawing or checking out. You know, when you check out, it's like, I don't want to deal with any of this. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to get involved. I don't want any trouble. I'm just checking out here. I'm not here. No, it's not a good way. Our first reaction to challenges or to -to day-to-day life, just the regular minutiae of day-to-day life, they may not be helpful. They may not be helpful. They might be downright unhelpful like Peter. But we get to choose how to respond. We get to choose who or what to follow. And our our reaction is almost always followed by regret. I heard Suzanne Stabile say that last week in a podcast. It's just stuck with me all week. A reaction is almost always followed by regret. Why? Why? Well, it's because... If you're reacting, if you are reacting, you haven't had a chance to think things through. There hasn't been any reflection. It's just your first gut reaction. Might not necessarily be accurate, right? Peter's reaction was fear. Not helpful. Jesus corrected him. Peter changed direction. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. The reaction, he's corrected, he changes direction. If you want to follow me, Jesus is saying, you have to practice this way. You have to practice it. Why practice? And I'm using practice as a deliberate word because it does not come naturally to us. All the other things are come naturally to us. Anger comes naturally to us. Envy comes naturally to us. Fear comes naturally to us. Dying to things, denying, picking up the cross, however you want to say it, dropping it, and following another way does not come easily to us. 
And it's something that we have to practice. And some days, and with certain challenges, we're going to be practicing many, many, many times in the one day. But that's fine. It's, it's the whole idea that God's with us, helping us every single day. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher, looking at Jesus' words on learning how to deny yourself. And it's like, it's almost like you're too valuable. You're, you're too valuable to be led by fear or envy or anger or resentment. Let me show you how to drop that. Follow me, Jesus said. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry today. Keep showing us how to choose life. Choose what is life-giving. Thank you for joining me. Join me again next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.